Welcome to the FedScoop series on IT modernization in government and this special edition surrounding the annual IBM ThinkGov 2021 digital event experience. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in today's episode, we're talking about how digital-first, open, and secure hybrid cloud platforms are helping governments evolve to be more agile and flexible to adapt and innovate. Our guest today is Andrew Fairbanks, managing partner of IBM Services Federal. Andrew has held a variety of senior leadership positions at IBM over the past 24 years and currently leads a federal sector team of more than 3,000 professionals for IBM Global Business Services, delivering hybrid cloud services, AI, and intelligent workflows. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Well, as you well know, federal, state, and local governments are really still reeling from the consequences of COVID-19. And on top of that, they are faced with diminishing budgets, growing demands from citizens, and the shifting priorities of new administrations. And yet, despite these challenges, the public sector agencies have really shown how they can persevere uh, by accelerating technological innovation, uh, delivering mission-critical services to the American public. Let me start by asking to get your perspective. How would you say has the rate of transformation in the public sector accelerated in the past year, and what really drove that? I see the pace increasing rapidly, and I think there are really three principal drivers that I see in this acceleration. First, COVID highlighted the need for agencies to be able to modify and scale their operations very quickly and in ways that they hadn't fully anticipated. The ability to do that requires modern, open, scalable architectures that not every part of government has. In fact, very few agencies have the degree of modernized architecture that they need to respond to that kind of shock. I think the second driver was that the solar winds incident and the colonial pipeline ransomware incidents, they really shone a light on the importance of cybersecurity in the overall operations of our government at all layers. And I think modernization also is needed to make sure that at all levels of government, we are closing those vulnerabilities, both to our critical infrastructure and to the applications that we use to run our governments. And the third you touched on in the introduction is really around cost savings and budget pressures. Those are also driving agencies to look at mechanisms for significantly reducing the amount of money they spent each year in running the IT enterprise. They're looking at consolidation of contracts to realize economies of scale and to decrease procurement costs. They're looking at cloud migration to move from capital expense to operation expense and to also drive the savings that go along from being able to use those cloud-like models. So, so I think those are really the three principal drivers that I see driving government response right now, and it really is leading to sort of large and urgent modernization efforts at all levels. Well, I'd be interested in your perspective. How have open hybrid architectures become more effective for public sector missions? As I mentioned earlier, what they're finding is that they need to have modern open architectures that are able to scale very quickly. And as agencies mature in their journeys to cloud, I think they're realizing that the best answer for that mission and for that responsiveness is to create an environment that enables them to utilize multiple clouds while also running their heavy transactional processes on the mainframes and other legacy systems that are best suited to manage them. And I think hybrid tools have developed over the course of the past five years, tools such as the Red Hat Suite and others in the space that really enable agencies to run their workloads securely across these different environments in ways that enable them to tailor their architectures and their systems 
uh, in ways that are best aligned to the mission that they have to perform. And they're able to then create intelligent workflows that can actually pull information and data from those different environments to be able to meet their various stakeholder needs. So I think this trend is only going to accelerate in the market, right? That the push to multi-cloud is only accelerating. The need for security is only accelerating. And so the hybrid cloud approach to running an IT enterprise is of paramount importance to agencies being able to accomplish their missions. I really equate the role of the CIO or the CTO as sort of the orchestra conductor, right? They have these musicians out there with IBM and Google and Amazon and Microsoft shirts all playing the different instruments in all the different sections, but they need a unifying score and they need that baton and that unifying rhythm to make all those different pieces play harmoniously in the market. And I think that's the challenge for the next several years for government IT leaders. Well, to build on that analogy, looking across the orchestra, if you will, what emerging technology have the greatest potential to revolutionize service and mission delivery in government? I think I really see two. I think the first is the whole area of artificial intelligence and machine learning. Technology is maturing so quickly in this space. Let me give you an example. This summer, IBM is collaborating in a program called the Mayflower Project, where we have helped on a program to create a fully autonomous ship that will traverse the ocean. In doing so, they need to, in real time, analyze currents, weather patterns, take in data from other dynamic sensors to plot the optimal course, to run experiments as they come across the ocean. And I think the exponential expansion of solar technologies, IoT technologies, as well as AI and machine learning are making things like that possible, things that we really couldn't have even imagined five or 10 years ago. And I think you see it accelerating in the areas of autonomous vehicles. You see it in the space program. You see it in DOD programs. You see it in ground transportation, sort of with major logistics providers and trucking and transportation. It's a trend that I think will only continue to accelerate as that technology matures. And it will fundamentally change the ways we live in many ways. I think the other one that I would highlight is the whole area of robotic process automation. We're also seeing rapid progress in the ability to automate routine tasks using optical character recognition, using voice recognition. You know, when you call your telco or your cable provider, you know, I did that this weekend, right? I was able to get my problem diagnosed, my problem solved, and get back online without ever talking to a single human being, right? They were able to, by voice, recognize my problem. They were able to trigger robotically a diagnostic of the feed into my router. They were able to recognize what problem it was, and they were able to fix it without any human intervention at all, right? And there are use cases like that across all of government that I think will rapidly improve the ability of government to, to actually serve its various stakeholders and to do so at fundamentally lower costs. Now, I think both of these examples raise real ethical and policy and human concerns around what that means for workforce, what that means for sort of the ways in which we live that I think our government leaders also need to confront both here as well as in the world's geopolitical dynamics. Well, I appreciate your sharing those two examples. Next, let me ask, given the recent spotlight on cybersecurity breaches, which you mentioned earlier, what can public sector organizations really do differently today to better protect their most valuable assets? I'm not sure it's as much doing things differently as much as it is refocusing their enterprises on doing the foundational tasks that are needed to maintain security. I think a lot of these best practices have been known and practiced by leading organizations for some time. 
But I think in an environment of budget pressures and trying to reduce costs, sometimes these are the kinds of tasks that have been put on the cutting room floor. And I think agencies realize that they now need to refocus their efforts on this basic blocking and tackling. And I think the recent Biden administration executive order really brought many of these best practices to light. It's about encrypting data in motion and at rest. It's about implementing multi-factor authentication in terms of access to core systems. It's about architecting systems with zero trust architectures at all levels, from chip up through the servers and the networks that run them. And it's about doing the patching and the upgrades to make sure that agencies are staying current with the applications because it's those patches that actually close the holes and vulnerabilities that are identified. I think the other thing that agencies need to do is a better job of proactive monitoring to make sure that they're doing the kind of penetration testing, intrusion testing, network analysis, and being part of some of these collectives across the world that share best practices and information about emerging bugs and threats and taking the patching activity needed to actually mitigate those risks. So I think I think what you're going to see is government agencies across the board, I think, are recognizing the importance of cybersecurity uh, as they grapple with the news of things like solar winds and the colonial pipeline. I think it's starting to shine a light for all of us in terms of the importance of protecting not only our applications and systems, but our critical assets like pipelines and like energy production that are also network enabled right now and vulnerable to these kinds of threats. So I was happy to see the executive order, and I'm happy to see the increasing focus on this from agencies and governments across all levels. Lastly, uh, Andrew, how can public sector organizations more effectively use data to drive a cognitive enterprise that does indeed deliver faster intelligence or accelerate workflows and, and ultimately empowers people to focus on higher value work? Yeah, it's it's a great question. The biggest problem that agencies face today is that there's so much data coming in. The amount of data is increasing exponentially each year. When you think about the digital data that's coming in from what people enter in online systems, when you look at the volume of sensor data that's coming in from so many different parts of our life, when you look at the big data that comes in from media and telco and, and other usage, there is so much data that the real challenge is how do you sort through all of that data to understand where there's really important information and how do you then harness that important information to drive the decisions you need to make. The way I always tend to think about things is starting from the finish line first, right? What is the end state that I want to achieve? What kinds of decisions do I want to be able to make? What kinds of processes or mission work do I need to be able to execute? And then I ask the question of what data do I need to be able to perform those processes or to make those decisions? And then I go back one more step, which is how do I source that data? Where do I need that data to go? Then I go back to how do I secure that data as it comes into my system and as it resides within my system? And I think starting from sort of what does that intelligent workflow end to end look like? Where does the data need to come in? Where does the data need to be synthesized or analyzed? And where does the system then need to go? If you think about it in that kind of workflow framework, I think it really helps agencies to figure out how they can use data more effectively. Well, those are some great points. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today. Andrew Fairbanks, thanks so much for joining us to talk about ways that digital first, open and secure hybrid cloud platforms are indeed helping governments be more adaptive and innovative. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
And thanks to IBM for underwriting today's episode. And be sure not to miss the annual IBM Think of 2021 digital event experience coming up July 15, 2021. Look for more of our series on IT modernization in government on fedscoop.com and our FedScoop radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash. Thanks for tuning in.